Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. You know, if I had a dollar for every time I heard a client say, I love my partner, I'm just not in love with them anymore, I'd be able to afford to travel around the world in first class. In our society, we are in love with being in love. And now don't get me wrong, I'm all for love, but being in love is just one aspect of what love can be. And if you're married, you want to know about the other aspects. So Dr. Aaron Benzaev, professor of philosophy and former president of the University of Haifa and the author of the new book, and I'm so excited about this, The Art of Love, How Our Romantic Lives Change Over Time, is here to talk about how to maintain real love through the years. So Dr. Benzaev, Aaron, thank you for coming back on the show and talking about what I know is an ever-popular topic. Thank you for inviting me. So I just want to jump right in, just get right to the heart of the issue. Is long-term romantic love really even possible? Yes, I begin the book by citation of Tom Robbins, who said, there is only one serious question, and that is, who knows how to make love stay? This is the question that the book is all about, how to make love stay. It is easy to fall in love. It is easy to have uh, excitement, sexual excitement and otherwise. It is very hard these days to maintain and keep this love. We have all around many options, many romantic options. Love is in the air. Love is everywhere we go, in every corner, and we should ignore this love and remain in our committed relationship, and this is hard. Okay, now that's, I mean, and and I'm not going to disagree with you, and most people who get married have the intention of staying with one person, but we also know that there's evidence you know, people, people who have studied this that talk about um, relationship satisfaction diminishing through the years. Now, one of the big things that does that, as we know, is, is the introduction of children because those, those, those pesky little angels, as I call them, you know, they're, they're not conducive to romantic love. Um, so, so you're saying that this is possible. I do believe it's possible. I've been with my husband for married for almost 34 years, together almost 35. And, you know, it's ebbed and flowed over the years, but, but there's a commitment there. So how, how can people not just commit to their marriages, which is an important thing, but also commit to loving their partners? Yes. The problem that you indicate is a real problem. And uh, it stems from the fact that emotions and the love or sexual desire uh, among them are generated when we perceive change. Change is ma- what makes us uh, emotional, what makes okay. us intense 
אימושיונל, אינטנסלי עם לאב או סקשואל דיזייר. So, if we speak about change, how can we speak about long-term relationship? As change is a brief, we know that change is brief, after a while we habituated to the change and change is brief. So the problem here is how to endure in the relationship despite the lack of change. First, I would like to say that uh, studies indicate that enduring profound love is possible. Actually, it is more common than we think. There is a study by Daniel O'Leary, a psychologist, that uh, indicate that among those in marriages of 30 years or more, 40% of uh, wives, 35% of husbands reported very intense love for their partner. So about 35% after 30 years say they are in love with their uh, uh, partner. It is, of course, those who survive the 30 years say so, not uh, in uh, uh, before <laughs> this. So there, there is enduring uh, love, but I agree with you that enduring profound love is an achievement. It is not something that just come by. It is something that we should achieve, should work for it, and should behave in a manner that we shall overcome the lack of external change, which, which result many times in declining of sexual desire. Well, so good. It's nice to know that, that, I'm, that I'm in that, in that group of over 30 years. <laughs> so, but you, you yes. mentioned this, and I... Me too. And I, Me too. <laughs> Yay. So I, I mentioned this. Um, you mentioned profound love. And, I, you know, people are... It's like, we're in love with this concept of being in love, the new, the, the, the hot, the, you know, the rip-your-clothes-off kind of, kind of attraction. But... Can you define what profound love is? Yes. I would like to make the distinction, which is often overlooked, between romantic intensity and romantic profundity. Romantic intensity is a snapshot of a momentary peak of passionate, often sexual desire. Romantic profundity goes beyond the momentary experience beyond the romantic intensity and refer to the lover's broader and more enduring attitude. Profundity involves activities that take place over time. Time is important. Time is important in order to create romantic profundity. Romantic profundity involve friendship, also sexual desire, but friendships takes time to develop and involve reciprocity. So romantic profundity is what's important. And if we said that because of the external change that lack, 
romantic intensity decline, we say that romantic profundity is increased because over time we know better each other, we know what is good and bad in each other, and we bringing out the best from each other. If you ask me what is the one secret for enduring profound love, I'll say to you, bringing out the best from each other. And Every one really, of us. Yeah, that's really interesting yeah, because, it, it, because yeah, I have actually said that to my husband. Um, you know, I could be having just an incredibly crappy, awful, whatever day, and I come home in just a crappy mood, you know, like the, like the world is just horrible. And spending just a little bit of time with my husband almost always brings me out of that. He brings out the best in me. Um, and and that's one of the reasons why I love him so much. Because um, he actually... One reason. One reason. There are the reasons. So, yes. But one of the things that I see with, with my clients, and, and I think a lot of my listeners would say, it's like, you know, but but my but my partner just annoys the crap out of me. <laughs> uh, so how do we how do we change that mindset? And how do what's the process of bringing out the best in our partners? What what does that actually look like? I mean, I know you said developing a friendship, which I think is absolutely critical um, because we can't yes. actually be op- we can't actually open up and be vulnerable and be really intimate if we don't have a, a liking for the person that we're with. So I think a friendship is is important. But but yes. what else is involved? Yes, I, uh, there is a, in psychology what is called Michelangelo um, phenomenon. Michelangelo once said that when he looks at the marble, he sees all the figures that in the marble, the, all the figures that he will uh, sculpture are already in the marble. He just has to put away the dust and bring them out. Like this, we can see each other in a, a marriage. Each of us has very good property. Also, flaws. What we should do bring the uh, helping the partner being closer to his or her ideal self. And by this we bring out the best. We let him show his best and we should also give lesser weight for the flaws. You know, in the romantic love, we usually have positive illusions. Positive yeah. illusions are good for a certain extent. They are good that we see each other a little bit better than they are in reality. In this way, we can have greater motivation to be with them and uh, make them better uh, a person. One way of avoiding too much of uh, romantic uh, illusions, positive illusion, 
is to change the weight we give to each property. For example, if your husband is disorganized and always late, you say to yourself, these are not important. My husband is a wonderful person because he's very kind and very wise. Give greater weight to the good characteristics of the partner and belittle, reduce the weight you give to the uh, flaws. In this way, you can say, my husband is wonderful, although is disorganized and always late. It is overall positive evaluation while knowing specific flaws of the partner and giving them lesser weight. And I, and I love that because that goes along with what we also know about um, you know, gratitude and focusing on the, and, and focusing on the positive. And, and, you know, and a lot of times people in my profession, and I do this too, will, you know, will tell people, write down three positive things that your partner did today. <laughs> and, and then that kind of helps shift that natural tendency that we have to focus on the negative to try to bring more balance into how we look at our partners. Yes. By the way, this is important also in mating at the beginning. If mm-hmm. you at the beginning say to yourself, I want these three very positive properties to have in the, the partner, and that, which will be deal maker, and I want not him to have these three deal breakers. Focus only on this and give to this characteristic the greater weight. Don't look for all characteristics that will be positive. No one has all these virtues. Every one of us has flaws. And we should choose those characteristics three, four, five, that are important for us and give them great weight and give lesser weight to the other uh, characteristic. We cannot give the same weight to, every, uh, to each characteristic. I, and I heartily agree. This is Happily Ever After. It's just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with author and professor Dr. Aaron Benzaev about the possibility of keeping love alive through the years in your marriage. And if you're struggling doing this, please know that you're not alone. It's really hard to balance comfort and security with passion and excitement, but it is possible. And if you're interested in putting the magic back in your marriage, I invite you to get in touch with me and schedule a free, no obligation, create your happily ever after breakthrough session. You can go to your computer right now and shoot me an email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I. In fact, you don't even need your computer. You can do it on your phone. That's Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com, or you can give me a phone call at area code 919-924-0463. 
Again, 919-924-0463. And now I want to get back to this conversation about how to keep your love going. So, um, Erin, you talk in your book about romantic compromises, which mm, some people go, what does that mean? So can you explain what you mean by romantic compromises that people have to make? Yes, romantic compromises is a very important uh, phenomenon, very common one. I mean, in romantic compromises, we give up a romantic value such as passionate love, intense uh, sexual desire in exchange for a non-romantic quality of life value. For example, living better, having more opportunity of work, having more a richer person, a wiser person. So mm-hmm. uh, in, in life, we cannot have everything. We oh, must say compromise. That. Of course we can. Of course we can have everything. <laughs> you can have everything. You are lucky. You are lucky woman. You have everything. But not everyone is like you. And uh, if people will try to find after uh, to see the perfect uh, person, they will not find him. They should, we should, we should look for the optimal, for the good partner. Not the perfect person, but the perfect partner. The the perfect uh, person does not exist. A perfect uh, partner is the one that suits to us very much. So if someone is suited to us in many a quality, and we feel wonderful with, uh, with him or her. We would not criticize him or her for not choosing something, someone better, so, so-called. I mean, uh-huh. the, what is good is what is suited to us, not something objective that the partner is richer, wiser, or uh, more handsome. The uh, romantic compromises stem from the awareness that we are limited creatures. We cannot always meet our standard or achieve our ideal. Survival sometimes depends on being flexible. Settle for something less, or simply different than what we might have want. In romantic compromise, we have the conflict between life and love. As someone said, there is love, of course, and then there is life, its enemy. Life is not enemy of love, and love is not enemy of life, but often they are in conflict. They are in conflict, and in this conflict, the result is not always that love wins. In many cases, maybe most cases, life wins over love. But we should compromise. We should not give up love. But love is not all we need. We need more 
more than uh, uh, love. Love is some experience in life. Love is, is, is being in certain living framework. And we should look at this framework and give up some of our extreme ideals for having also a good framework. So love is wonderful, and if we have love, life can be wonderful as well, but there are other things in life than uh, uh, love. Love is very important. I don't say give up love, but I, I say sometimes give up some aspect of the loving relationship in order that the love will flourish in life for many years. So this goes back to what you were talking about um, before the break about knowing what the, the absolutes are, the things that you really have to have in your relationship, along with the things, you know, that you don't ever want to see. But, but it's almost like you, instead of having a, you know, a never-ending list of qualities you want in, in your partner, you pick, you pick the top ones, the top three, the top five, and then you can, what you're talking about, romance, you can compromise on the other ones because it, you know, it, is, it is the idea of I have, exactly. I have enough. I have enough of what I need so that I can create a life and a love with this person, and I can let go of these other of these other qualities. I'm just I'm just having a flashback to, to my to one of my sisters. Yes, yes, you are absolutely right. I mean, the thing that we compromise, we should give them a lesser weight. And yeah, not right. wait, not compromise on the important uh, things. There was a prime minister in Israel who said, uh, I compromise and compromise and compromise until I get what I want. <laughs> what do you mean by this? <laughs> he means that he compromise on smaller issues. Compromise again and again and again. And but he will not compromise on the thing which is of great importance uh, for him. And this, I think, is very wise advice, which I personally fulfill it. Uh, I, we don't need to give much weight to everything in life. Penny I, I, I is think, not like a dollar. Right. We should have hierarchy of values. And so, and I think that's an important thing. And I'm wondering, and you talked about this just a moment ago, and I didn't want to, I didn't want it to get away. You talked a little bit about the need for flexibility, and in the book, you you talk about the need for flexibility and diversity. So, what do you mean by that, and why are they important? Yes, look, in uh, other parts of life, diversity and the flexibility is very important. We need diverse food. We need diverse activities in uh, life in order to have a good life and healthy life. Diversity is good in food, and it is good in other aspects of uh, uh, life. Also, flexibility is, in, is important 
in uh, life because we cannot we cannot have everything so we should be flexible as the scottish proverb uh, said better bend than break mm-hmm. if you you bend a little bit you uh, exclude the possibility of breaking so we should be also diverse and flexible in our life and if i look at the romantic life in the last 50 years and try to forecast to predict what will be in the next 50 years i see greater diversity and flexibility this was direction in the last 50 years and this will be farther the direction in the next 50 years will be more and more types of different or diverse relationship and flexible relationship many couple already now are living in very uh, in not regular forms of uh, marriages uh, uh, the monogamy some i mean 50% of uh, couples in the states are living in a relationship like polyamory open marriages and uh, uh, swingers so i don't recommend any of them i usually i mean in my uh, view in my uh, uh, book i don't uh, give a solution there is no one solution but i analyze the values and the uh, flaws of each uh, to, uh, type of relationship and i think that even in within the uh, traditional monogamy relationship more couples giving now allowance for greater freedom in the personal uh, life personal uh, uh, space for example a uh, long distance marriages uh-huh are or, very or good or what the you know um being together but living apart so you don't necessarily live in the same household and i yeah, uh, usually I'm yes uh, you are you, you are together in the weekend or uh, once in uh, two weeks because of uh, you want to uh, to live together but uh, work uh, demand mm-hmm. make you uh, force you to live uh, 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 in distance such distance uh, marriages their quality is quite good one reason is that there is greater personal space i don't speak here about uh, greater uh, uh, sexual uh, space i don't because exactly. in these uh, marriages they are uh, not more infidelities than in uh, regular marriages and even less a uh, little bit so this is example of long distance uh, marriages of marriages that give more allowance for everyone to further have uh, thriving and personal self-fulfillment self-fulfillment is very important in marriages and if our partner 
doesn't feel that he or she has a self-fulfillment, he or she will not remain in the marriages. Now marriages include not marry, not mainly uh, living condition good, not merely love, but also personal fulfillment. Well, and I and and I, I always love talking with my guests when, especially when they agree with me, because one of the things that I tell my clients is, your marriage has to work for both of you. Both of you have to feel good in it, but your marriage doesn't have yes. to look like anybody else's marriage. And and I love you bringing in the history because there was a book, and I can't remember the author's name. It's called The History of Marriage, and you know how marriage has changed Kunz. over Stephanie Kunz. <laughs> Stephanie Kuntz indicated that that, uh, marriage, she said that uh, until uh, 200 years ago, marriage were mainly a good living condition, having a good living condition. Only at that time, love was introduced into marriage. The introduction of love into marriage make make marriage more valuable, but also... Uh, less stable because love is an achievement that we cannot or not all of us uh, achieve. So in the one, on the one hand, the introduction of love to marriage uh, upgrade the value of marriage, but, but it may ruin it from inside in some circumstances in which love is not uh, achieved. And now and I, we have also the uh, criterion of uh, self-fulfillment, personal self-fulfillment. Absolutely. And, and thank you. I mean, and I, I would love to be able to continue to talk with you about this because I think it's an important topic. But I think one of the th- more important things is for you to tell people where they can get a hold of your book <laughs> because I think it would be very helpful. So can you share that with, with the listeners? Yeah, the book is uh, published by the uh, University of Chicago Press. It is the Ark of uh, Love, and uh, you can get it on uh, Amazon. Terrific. And is there any is there any other information you'd like to share, website, anything where else they can learn about your keeping love alive through the years? I mean, love, love, is, really, love is really a wonderful, and I think... One problem with people that they cannot uh, be satisfied with what they have. Being happy with what you have is a great biblical advice. We should try to be happy with what we have. It doesn't mean that there will not be a divorce, that they, we should not uh, try to improve. We should try to improve our relationship, Mm -hmm. and in some cases there should be a a divorce, but generally we should know, learn how to be satisfied with what we have. Well, and I love that. And so what I want my listeners to remember that your love will change over the course of your relationship, but it doesn't have to die. You can keep it alive, but you have to make it happen. And knowing what to do is the first step. And another good step is the fact that you listen to this program, and I thank you. So I hope you will still keep listening. And until next week, stay loving.